you know, that reminds me of when Jesus, I think it's in John chapter 6, and he said a few difficult words to them, and people started leaving. They didn't want to follow him anymore. And so then he turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And Peter declared, you have the words of life. Where else can we go? And, uh, man. All right, if you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15, please. 1 Samuel chapter 15. We are in a series called Preparing for Pentecost because it's coming up, which is the 50 days, Pente is 50, so it's the 50 days after Jesus' resurrection and ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues for the disciples and those that obeyed and waited for the gift from God. They obeyed as they waited, the key being their obedience. And so we've been looking at the importance of us obeying God and His Word. And again, we looked at this uh, with the first Passover and where they had to apply the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost in order for the death angel to pass over that house and they were saved and protected. We have been looking at how we need to know God's Word in order to obey it. Because if you don't know God's word, you can't obey it. All right? It's, it's just that simple. And, and when you don't know God's word, you don't know what he can do for you. You don't know the promises that you can rest on and rely on. And, you know, once we know the Word of God, then we need to be willing to obey it no matter what. And um, I've mentioned this in the past, but I just, I I can't get away from it yet. What would have happened if they would have killed the lamb, got the blood into the basin, but didn't put the hyssop in and apply it? They wouldn't have been saved. So it's more than just Hearing the word, we have to obey the word. We have to do the word. James tells us that. He says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And so I just want to encourage you. It's so important that we get this understanding. If they hadn't put the blood on the doorpost, they wouldn't have been protected. Would they have been obedient? They were only obedient to a certain point of killing the lamb. But they weren't obedient all the way. And some of us, we try and be just enough obedient. And, you know, I, I don't want to repeat a lot, but if you haven't been here, go back and listen to the last ones. But I, I want to take the stigma of, the negative stigma of obedience out of your mind. Because when you talk about obeying, it's like, okay, now I have to do this. No, listen, here's what obedience with God is. It's getting to know Him. Because you can't obey Him without knowing His Word. And so when you obey Him, you get into His Word. When you get into His Word, you find out what His heart is. You find out how He is. You find out the promises that He has for us. The care that He has. The love that He has for us. So obedience is not a 
a bad thing. It's a good thing that he's calling us to. To me, I, I have figured this out. It's an invitation from God to get to know him so that my life will be better. I mean, why not? Why not obey? You know, but we say, I'm not going to obey. Okay, then what? You're going to live miserable like you already have, already are. <laughs> you know, even in the song that was just, your ways are higher. He's inviting us when we get into his word and we obey his word. He's inviting us to get to know the higher ways. I mean, if you want to stay in the pit and you want to eat worms the rest of your life, go don't don't read his word. Don't obey it. But you know, I don't want to live there. When when I found God, it was at a necessity. I realized who I was and then I realized who he was and I realized that he had a better life for me. And when I gave my life to, to Jesus, I made a promise that I will not go back. Because what I had compared to what I have now, there's no comparison. But we have this notion that, oh, I got to obey. I got to obey. No, how about it's an invitation for you to get to know your, your creator better. <clears throat> You know, because we're sitting there when it when it's a job to you, when it's a duty to you, then you know you're going to look at obeying just as much as you think you have to, and that brings me to First Samuel chapter fifteen, and um, Samuel has anointed Saul as king over Israel, and then Saul has had different things that he was supposed to do, and then. He had this one episode that we're not going to look at it, but I'm just going to tell you what it was. He had to go and kill the Amalekites, I believe it was. And when he was to go do that, he was to wipe them all out, everything, not spare anything. But this is what he did. Um, First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Okay, before I read it, it doesn't say it in here because I, I didn't bring it. So this is what he did. He, he did almost everything, but the best of the animals, he didn't slaughter them like God told him to. He kept them. In his mind, he's thinking that he's going to do this because then he can present them to the Lord as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice offering. Well, God didn't ask for that. Okay? God asked for obedience. He did a partial obedience. And then he reasoned that his partial obedience would be accepted unto the Lord. And it wasn't. Just like your partial obedience and my partial obedience. It's not what God is asking of us. He's asking of our obedience completely. 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. In other words, what he's saying is, look, he said, do you think God took more delight, more pleasure in the sacrifice that you offered him that wasn't what he asked for? 
or to obey his voice? And the answer is to obey his voice. Do what he says. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. And what do we do when we're trying to hodgepodge around God and being obedient to him and do our own thing? We, we, we reason in our mind, OK, well, I've obeyed him enough. No, you haven't obeyed him enough if you're not going to obey him completely. Verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption as is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Okay. So. We're going to see some things uh, because this is Old Testament, and I know some of y'all still think, well, it's in the Old Testament. There's nothing about obedience in the New Testament. Well, just put your seatbelt on. But when we get to the New Testament, I want you to think about this. And, and there's actually, we can go to the Old Testament too, but just in the New Testament alone, and I don't normally underline things, but I underline things this morning, okay, that are coming up on the projector. But I want you to think about the heart because that's what God is after. And our obedience or our disobedience, it, it just reveals our heart. Okay? So don't, I, I, I want us to have that mindset. Okay, so we read verse 23. Now let's look at what the understanding that Saul got in verse 24. He speaks this out. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the command, commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Isn't that powerful? And I, I'm reading that and I'm thinking about how things are today in our society and in America and thinking of how chaotic it is because now the world is trying to force itself on the church. And for some of the church, they're obeying it. And it's not right. James chapter four, if you want to turn there. So Saul is came to the understanding, you know what? I listened to their voice and it was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And so I just want to read out of James chapter four, because being a friend of the world, listening to the ways of the world causes us to be an enemy with God. And when we're at odds with God, I'm telling you, it leads us to disobedience and that that never ends well. Our disobedience doesn't go well with God. James chapter four, verse four says this, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now look, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know you don't want to be God's enemy. You don't want to be on his bad list. You want to be in right relationship with him. And last week, we looked in Exodus chapter 24 where God, they, God instructed them to do some things. They did them. 
Moses and a few leaders and then the 70 elders. And then when they came and did that, then God came and visited with them, prepared a meal for them. Because they were willing to obey. And I promise you, when you are in the habit of obeying the Lord, the scripture says that he'll prepare a table for us in the middle of our enemies. <laughs> What's that mean? That means all, all hell can be going against you, but you're going to have a meal right there in the present, with the presence of God. He's going to take care of you. So, if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19 verse 5 says this. Now therefore, if, everybody say if. Now they've come out of Egypt. They've crossed over the Red Sea. They're waiting. And he says, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, Bible says, Second uh, Chronicles, I can't remember what chapter, that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro all the earth looking for those whose hearts that he might strengthen. And you know, when I read that, I was like, God, I want you to find me. I want you to know that my heart is right with you and, and you can strengthen it anytime you feel the pleasure to. And I think the same thing of this, that he promises that we're going to be a, a people that are his treasure on the face of the earth. And I'm like, God, I won't be your treasure. I, when you're looking around and you're finding where's my treasure, I want you to land right on me. Depend on me because I've obeyed you. Moses in the book of Deuteronomy constantly spoke to them after the exodus to obey the voice of the Lord. And almost every time it is associated with the word if. There was if you obey the voice of the Lord, then this is what God's going to do. If you don't obey the voice of the Lord, this is what God's going to do. And just for the record, you can go back and look at it in Deuteronomy. It's much better to obey the Lord. You get much better benefits by obeying the Lord than not obeying Him. So, you know, that's for free this morning. If you'll turn with me to, well, Matthew. Let me see what chapter. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, you can go there. Matthew chapter 7. It's amazing to me how, how many people have determined that, you know, obedience is Old Testament and we're under Jesus in the New Testament. And he became a curse for us so we can do whatever we want to do. We can take the word of God and we can re readjust it. We can adjust it to our lifestyle and 
you know, all these crazy things that are going on in America. Um, and I, I just want to share two reasons why obedience is so important. I've already shared one. Shared it last week and opened up. The first one is, is it brings us into relationship with God. Because when we start to read his word, we find out that we're sinners. We find out that we can't save ourselves. And then we come to him in relationship. So that's the first. One. But this morning, I, I want to talk about why it is important for us to obey God's word. <clears throat> you may not have ever seen it like this before. So and, and then again, you may have. But the first one this morning is. Obedience to God is how we show we trust Him. Obedience to God is how we show we trust Him. That's, that's simple. If we were in relationship and I tell you, oh, I trust you. And then you ask me to do something and then I don't do it. What would you think? Do I really trust you? You would if I continued to do that, you would eventually say either he's weird or he doesn't trust me. And then you might come to the conclusion because he doesn't trust me, he's really weird. But. Uh, we like to sing about the songs that we, we trust in God. And we did this morning, a beautiful song. But then, how do we know that we trust God? We obey His Word. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then He asks us to do something. Well, God, I can't do that. You know, you, you want to be a missionary and you have this grand idea of what a missionary is like. And God says, okay, let's go here. Well, God, I don't want to go there, though. And don't ever say never to God. That's a bad thing. Because if you say never to him, that's a challenge to him. And he'll get you there. <clears throat> I'm not saying anything more. You see, also, when we obey him, we're getting into his word. And that's where we find the principles in his word, the promises in his word that we can stand on. And he gives us directions in his word. He tells us the benefit of us obeying him. And I believe that if you're like me, and I think that you are, one of the reasons we don't obey is because we really don't trust God. We want to. We sing about it. We say it. But then the rubber meets the road and we have to obey him. The second reason that I want to share with you this morning. Why we don't obey God. Obe well, let's just take the positive on this. Obedience to God requires that we relinquish control. <laughs> I know y'all had the same reaction I did. 
I was like, God, come on now. But isn't that true? We don't trust Him, and therefore we have to be in control. When we trust Him, means that we have to give up our control. I don't know about you, but that's not easy for human beings to give up control of their lives. I mean, even though they're a mess, it's the only life that we know, and it's the life that we think we're in control of, even though it's horrible, we think we're in control of it, and so it's hard for us to let it go. But if we're going to obey God, He's going to make us, He's going to require that we relinquish the control of our lives. Now, I don't want you to start thinking about this, but as early as you can remember, you figured out you can't trust people and you have to be in control of your life. I mean, we're talking early age. And it doesn't take long to figure out this world is hateful and hurtful. And so we learn very quickly to take control away from this world and put it into our hands. Because we get tired of being hurt so much. Being disappointed. Being abused. Whatever it is. I mean, we all have it. We all have those issues to contend with. Nobody here has a perfect parent. So we're all messed up. And because we have because of the hurt and the pain, the disappointments and all that comes with this world, we conclude that we need to protect and guard our hearts. And so we keep people at a distance and we only allow them in to the extent that we feel comfortable. Get this now. In our control of them. And their ability to influence us at our control. Because we have... and. You may not like say this word for word, but this is how you're thinking. I am ne because you've been hurt so much. I am never going to be dependent on somebody else again. Woo! You draw that la that line in the sand. You put your foot down. I'm never going to have to depend on somebody else. You have a tough life ahead of you. You're in for some big trouble. Our need to control comes from the fear that we have from the hurts and the pain that we've experienced. Okay? You don't know who your mom and dad were. Okay. So you have a fear of abandonment. Okay. Who doesn't? Some form you have a fear of somebody not being able to take care of you. And so you have to take control of your life. The awesome thing about God is when you find out His Word, God begins to deal with all of that. Because in 1 John chapter 4, 
verse 18. You don't have to turn there. You go to Matthew 7. But 1 John 4.18 says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You see, that's why it's so important to obey God. Because when we obey God, we find out His heart towards us. We find out the love that He has for us. We find out that we don't have to walk this crazy road alone. That He'll support us. He'll direct us. He'll keep us. Now, that doesn't mean He's going to keep us from the fire, but He says that we don't have to stay in the fire because we'll go through it. We're going to have the floodwaters that come, but we don't have to drown in it. He says we're going to go through the floodwaters. He's going to be with us. So we see His heart, and then we begin to realize, man, this guy loves me. I'm here to tell you that God is the only one who can offer us true, perfect, unconditional love. He's the only one. No other being can, no other thing can, you know, like if you think your job is going to make you happy, if you think whatever else is going to make you happy, it's not. It's not. If you think you're going to find love in a bottle, trust me. She's not there. You know, they have to, used to have the billboards. I don't know if they still have them with the beautiful woman with the bottle. And it's like, you get the bottle, but you don't get that beautiful woman. You know, they're lying to you. So we all come to the place where we don't trust God and we're saying, God, I've been hurt so much by love that I don't know that I can trust you. So until I can, I'll be in control of my life. And you see, not knowing the love of God is what causes us to fear. And then we do the crazy thing of not trusting him and then being in control of our life. We see that in the garden, right? With the fall. Perfect place. They're in paradise. God's there the thing that they know, I mean, there's no nothing to cause them issues, but then the enemy comes to them and says, did God really say? Challenging the words of God. And challenge when he challenges the word of God in their life, he's challenged them, you don't have to obey it. Ooh. And they don't. And because they are fearful that God really doesn't love them, they take matters into their own hands and they take control of their life and look at the rest as history. Hasn't been very good. But God comes along and He says, I'm going to send you Jesus and His perfect love will cast out that fear in your life. But you've got to get to know Him. And one way to get to know Him is by obeying His Word. Read His Word, listen to His Word, study His Word, memorize His Word. But do it as well. It took us a long time to get to Matthew chapter 7, but we're there, so let's read it in verse 21. You all thought I forgot about it, didn't you? <laughs> Matthew, 21, or Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's kind of like foreign today. Well, God, you know I love you. 
have you done what I said? Well, but you know that I love you. Have you done what I said? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in him. Who does what? Who obeys. Who obeys. Who obeys. Verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty, many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Why didn't he know them? Because they didn't do what he said. They didn't obey. Are you seeing the invitation that God is offering us as we obey? We get to know him. He's inviting us into a right relationship with him. Our God, our father, our creator, our sustainer, our savior. Whatever you have need of, he's that. And I will and then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you work, workers of lawlessness. You know, we're fooling ourselves if we think we can call him Lord and yet live any way we want, even contrary to his ways, contrary to his word. We have come to the point where we think that that's OK. We can call him Lord. We can say that we're Christians. We can say that we're believers. We can say that we're followers of him. But then when he asks us to do something, we don't do it. When we read something in his word, we don't do it. If you don't do it, then I don't think you can say that you love him. Not trying to be bare or bad news here, but you know, this is what he says. It, it's, not, it's not okay for us to call on his name and to act like we belong to him and then don't do what he says. It's not okay. We can't do that. We looked at Samuel or Saul, and you know, he was, he was the first appointed king. And he didn't obey the Lord completely. And you know what the Lord was really dealing with him? The, the reason that God had him do that was because it revealed Saul's heart. Okay? And God isn't after perfection, but he is after a willing heart. Even in our obedience, we're still going to make mistakes. But as we make mistakes because our heart is right, then God can deal with that. But when your heart is wrong, and you're stubborn, and you're stiff-necked, then he has problems with that. And it's not in here, but I side note, David, it says he came after Saul, but it says David was a man after God's own heart. So there was a difference. Did David make mistakes? Yes. But what was the difference? His heart. His heart was always tender towards God. His heart was always wanting to obey God. Did he make mistakes when he was trying to obey? Yes, we all do. 
But it was his heart that was the issue. And when God asks us to obey him, it's, it's that invitation that we have from him, but it's also revelation of what our hearts are really like. You know, we've heard the story about the kid. You ask him to do something and he doesn't want to do it. And he's sitting down. And he says, well, in my heart, I'm obeying you, but I'm not going to stand up and do it. Well, no, that doesn't work with God. If you're not doing it, you're not obeying. And if things don't get worse, Jesus adds on to this. You thought we were just going to stop at 23. Well, look at verse 24. Matthew 7, 24. This is right after Jesus says that. He takes a drink or he takes a pause or something. I don't know. But then he says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. If I say does them. That's obedience, okay? Will be like a wise man. Ooh, you want to be wise? Just obey him. That's all you got to do will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Because he did what he was told to do. He obeyed. Verse 26. And everyone. Now look. I know y'all don't believe this all the time. He says everyone. Does everyone mean everyone? Yeah. So he says. And everyone who hears these words of mine. And does not do them. Will be like a foolish man. So we have before us a choice. Are we going to be wise or are we going to be foolish? will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Can I tell you something? Both of these men experienced the same thing. They experienced the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house. The world doesn't discriminate whether you're saved or unsaved, whether good things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen. I mean, it's going to come your way sooner or later. But he says the one who obeyed is the one who built his house on the rock, and that rock is Jesus. And so we have to decide how we're going to build our lives. All right, we're at a crossroads. Either I continue and we stay about another 15, 20 minutes or I end it here. Uh, continue? All right. Hebrews chapter 3, please. Hebrews chapter 3. I'm glad you said continue because I don't want to wait for this next week. Because I'm here to help you guys. I'm here to help us. To help me. And if you don't think I have been processed through this, you're crazy. 
I mean, I don't like this any better than you do. But I just found out that if you do it, it's the best thing for your life. Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 5. Because he just says some nice things here. Hebrews 3, 5. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. Everybody say a servant. Okay. And he did a great job at being a servant, okay? To testify to the things that were to be spoken later. Verse 6. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Okay, so I choose the son over a servant, right? Okay. But even though Moses did a great job. So he's faithful over God's house as a son. And then he defines the house. And we are his house. Isn't that awesome? Whoo. So he's talking about us. Moses was faithful over the people of God. Now Jesus is going to be faithful over us. His house. Mm. But he qualifies us being his house with the word if. Did you see that? And we are his house if. Indeed, we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Meaning that we're trusting in God. We're obeying Him. If. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. If I say hearts. You see, He's after our hearts. Obedience reveals our hearts. And he's now comparing them in the wilderness and their hearts. And he says it was a hardened heart. You know, I can just tell you now, I don't want to be found as a hardened heart, having a hardened heart. I don't. I want to do whatever God needs me to do to make sure that my heart is soft and tender and and pliable for him. I don't want to be one as he writes about and says, well, he had a hard heart. I don't want to give the world the, the privilege of saying we hardened him. I want to be able to declare, you know what, God, you are so awesome and, and your Holy Spirit, your word saw me all the way through. Ooh, I stay tender towards you and towards your people. Today, verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, or verse 8, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And then he says this, they have not known my ways. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7? Depart from me. I never knew you. They didn't know his ways. Why? Because they had a hardened heart and they didn't obey him. Plain and simple. 
Verse 11. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12. Take care, brothers. Okay, now he's speaking to us. Lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving, say it, heart. Okay, now he's talking about a hardened heart. Then he's talking about their rebellion. And now he's talking about evil, unbelieving heart. So when we're not obeying God, what are we displaying? An evil, unbelieving heart. What did I say? When we don't obey God, it's because we don't really trust Him. When we don't really trust Him, we have to take control of our life. But God wants us to trust Him. And you can trust Him. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. If you have an evil, unbelieving heart, you're going to fall away. If you're set on disobeying the Lord, you're going to fall away. You can argue with this all day long, but it's true. You're going to see how all of this is associated with obedience. Verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because there's a pleasure in sin, but it doesn't last. Okay? Verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ if, if I say if, If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Isn't that what he said at the beginning of this? If indeed. Verse 15. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For verse 16, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses and with whom? Was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were, say it, disobedient. You say, well, pastor, you know, I try to be obedient. And I'm telling you, This is what I know with God. If you are trying to be obedient for real, He's going to cause you to be obedient. He's going to enable you to be obedient all the way. So all of that, and He he brings it down to disobedience. Verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Disobedience is a revelation of our heart that we don't trust God. I'm moving. I am so pleased you guys are getting this. I I can see it in you. Turn with me to Hebrews 4.11 now. Because he 
talks about some other things from the Old Testament, people from the Old Testament. Then he says this in Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. We're preparing for Pentecost and, and I believe that this is such a vital part for us because if they hadn't waited, if they hadn't obeyed the voice of the Lord and waited, they didn't know how long they were going to have to wait. But they waited. And then suddenly, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so obedience is such a key to walking with God. And, and, and so this is why we're here. But I believe that obeying God is an area that we all wrestle with throughout all of our life. I mean, I don't know anybody who's got a handle on it. I believe that this is an issue that we all have in trusting God to love us. Trusting Him and His love enough to let go, to give up our control. <clears throat> you know, I, I've told you this in the past. But I just want to remind you of it. When I came to know the Lord and then started growing in the Lord, I, I, I couldn't come to the understanding why God loved me. Because I knew me. I lived with me. I knew what Richard was doing. I knew what Richard was capable of doing. I knew the anger and the hatred and the rage that was inside of me. I knew it. And yet I'm confronted with a God who loves me and I'm trying to figure it out Why? And I, and I wrestled with it. And finally, you know, God spoke to me. And he said, would you quit trying to figure out why I love you and just enjoy the fact that I do? And it was like, whew, good. Because I don't know I could figure it out. But I am, I'm telling you, I am so thankful he loves me. And I want to know his love for me more and more because I want to trust him more and more. I don't want to be in control of my life any more than I have to be. And I don't want to be in any of it because I know what my life was like before Christ came in. I, there's no way I'm going back to that. All right. To the extent that we grow in both of these areas, in his love, and to the extent that we trust him and let go, to that extent is the extent that we will truly be happy and content and at peace in this world no matter what comes our way. <clears throat> I'm not going to name names, but for both of the grandmas of what we just went through, both of them have come to me and testified of the power of God to sustain them through this difficulty. That's what we're talking about. When we obey God, when we walk with Him, we know that He is with us no matter what. And what a privilege as a pastor to be able to perform a funeral service knowing that they trust in God. I, words cannot, and, and yet they were expressed to us from both of the grandparents. 
incredible. All right, turn with me to Romans chapter 2. We're almost done. Man, you guys are doing great. Hey, look, think about this. There's not going to be a line where you go to eat if you're going to stay here and eat, all right? I mean, we got it ready for you. And it's good food, too. I... And there's brownies. Listen to me. There's brownies with nuts in them. I'm telling you that now because if you don't, if you're allergic to nuts, don't eat the brownies. If you don't like nuts, fine. I'm happy for you. Leave them alone. Whew. And I have been reassured that there are more than enough nuts in there. Romans chapter 2, verse 6. Romans 2, 6. He will render to each one according to his works. According to what? According to our obedience. James says, you have faith, show me your works. You have faith, obey. Here he is. I, verse 7. To those who by patience, if I say patience, in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. In other words, we're seeking after the things of God to obey him, then we're going to find eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, okay, so he's separating, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew, Jews, Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. And so I think that this is a reality that is missing in the church today, that we will be judged, we will be held accountable for our actions. I mean, for some reason, we have people who are growing up thinking that, you know, they can be Christians, but they can do their own thing and that God's going to have to accept it, that he's just going to have to get over himself. I'm going to tell you something. He's not getting over himself. He expects obedience from us. All right, last scripture, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And I'll give you time to turn to it in your Bibles because I want you to make sure you know that this is in your word. I'm not making it up. All right. First John chapter two. We're going to start in verse three. And by this, we know. That we have come to know him. So now we know that we know him. If if I say if. Dang, why has he got to do this? If we keep his commandments. If we obey him. That's how we know that we know him. So if you're not obeying him, what does that mean? We don't know him. Verse 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And what did, uh, for, what did John say 
earlier or later. Perfect love casts out fear. In other words, we've come to the place, and perfect doesn't mean that it's perfect, but we're maturing in it. We're coming to an understanding of it as best we can with our natural minds. But when we keep His Word, the love of God is made mature in us. It's perfected. Don't we want that? Isn't that the invitation that God is offering us by obeying Him? By this we know. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. So in sharing this this morning, this is... I mean, I've, I've wanted to, but at the same time, it's like with a broken heart that you share this because you see how things are going in the world today. And you see that people are saying that they belong to God, but they're not doing anything that He asks. And yet we walk around and we think that's okay. It's not. And broken heart because I know that I still struggle with His love for me. And trusting Him and giving up control. And, and broken hearted because I know so many people, saved and unsaved, who struggle with being loved by God. You know, one of the best things you can do if you struggle with God loving you is just go home and sit down in a nice, comfortable, relaxing chair and say, God, would you just pour your love out on me? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit here. Just take the time. Let Him pour His love out on you. Don't turn the TV on. You can play some worship music if you want, but I wouldn't even do that. I would just sit there and say, God, I'm just going to stay here until I know you love me. And then let him just unfold his love. And it has to be unfolded because it's so powerful that you can't take it in all at once. He gives it to you a little bit at a time. But when it starts, you're just like, oh. And, and then your whole life will change. And the awesome thing is, is when you let him truly love you, then you'll trust him and you'll give up control. And when you do that, then even the people who harmed you, you love them. You will. I promise you. And I just want to close with this thought that God is not like any of those people who have harmed you, who have hurt you, and whatever else has happened to you from them. He alone is perfect love. He alone. And because He alone is perfect love, He is the only one who can prove Himself faithful to us. And my challenge to you is, let Him prove Himself faithful to you. Stand with me if you will. Okay, so then, once you get up out of your chair and he's loved on you, this is the next step for you. Okay? Do what he says. Obey him! Okay, because then you'll just continue that love going. Father, we thank you for the love that you do have for us. And we thank you for this time together in your word. Thank you for knowing that we can trust you, but 
Father, knowing that it, it's hard for us because we've been so hurt. We've been so disappointed. I mean, there's many reasons, Father, why we don't trust the natural love. But, Father, break through all of that. Do whatever is necessary, Father, to get us to see that you do, in fact, love us and we can let you love us. We can trust you. We can let go of control. Father, I thank you for that. Thank you for that hope. Work it within us in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for the food that we have. We ask you to bless it for our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you for waiting. You guys are awesome. Have a great week. And please stay for the food. <laughs>